Hello and welcome to On The Grid, Z Prime's podcast about important issues regarding energy, cities, and much more. I'm your host, Ricky Murray, and today I'm flying solo to learn all about artificial intelligence. There are plenty of misconceptions surrounding artificial intelligence, and this week I'm joined by Eric Osberg, CTO of eSmart Systems. Eric shares with me how artificial intelligence is being used in the energy space to provide virtual inspections and how it contributes to a resilient power supply. He also shares how to get AI out of the innovation stage, how AI is hidden in plain sight all around you, and of course, what the word energy means to him. So come on y'all, get ready, jump in the digital realm with me. It's time to get on the grid. Hello and welcome to On The Grid. I'm your host, Ricky Murray, and this week I'm flying solo. No co-host here, but don't worry, it's going to be a very great episode. Joining me today is Eric Osberg, CTO at eSmart Systems. Eric, welcome to On The Grid. How are you doing this morning? Thank you, Ricky. How how are you? Um, it's actually afternoon when I am. I am in Norway. Uh, so it's actually yeah starting to be later in the day, uh, but doing great. Very happy to be on the show. So thank you very much. Nice. We're excited to have you here. So some of our listeners might not be familiar with you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Who is Eric? What does Eric do? Uh, Give us a little insight. Sure. Um, My name is Eric Osberg. I'm, uh, as you said, the CTO of eSmart Systems. I uh, professionally, my background is from computer science. I've been developing software for the energy industry for well, nearly 25 years, I'm getting old. Um, so through those years, I've done anything from power exchanges to trading and risk management and CRM systems and smart grid systems and been part of eSmart since day one. I'm part of the founding team, uh, employee number three, actually, in, in eSmart systems. Uh, I also hold a role as a Microsoft regional director, which is sort of an ambassador and advisor for Microsoft and um, uh, from from my education, I uh, come from computer science. I also hold a master degree in, in techno- technology management from NTNU and MIT. On my spare time, I love, I'm Norwegian, so of course I love to go skiing. Uh, that's sort of my passion uh, as well. Uh, but I must admit that quite a lot of the hours in the day are spent at work, um, and that's it's really, I love my my job, really. Ah, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, fun fact about me. So at Z Prime, um, I, I'm like employee number six. So you and I aren't very far off from uh, <laughs> from when we when we started at our respective companies. Um, so you've been around energy for a really long time, and energy systems and everything. I have definitely, uh, and I touched upon very many facets sort of of, of that of, of energy, but always within the electricity side. So never been much. Well, I've done something around gas, but never oil uh, and that part. Always focusing more or less on the utilities, but all the different sort of facets of, of a utility. Uh, everything from from sort of the uh, from the power trading, the energy trading, all the way to infrastructure which we do now nice nice well tell me so tell me a little bit about eSmart systems and maybe the work that you're doing there and what's going on so at eSmart systems we uh, develop AI supported software to improve the inspections of power lines and substations 
Uh, we are a company based in Norway. Uh, we are around 100 people uh, with offices in Sweden, Germany, uh, the UK, and the US. Um, nearly 15% of our employees are data scientists, so we're very heavy on that side. And actually over 60% of those hold a PhD in machine learning, so very heavy on the AI side. Our software grid vision is used by some of the biggest and most prominent utilities in the EU and the US. We have customers like Eon in Germany and Excel Energy in, in the US. And what we do is all about improving the inspection process, contributing them to a resilient power supply, really. That is what we do, which gives also this job uh, sort of deeper meaning as well. Um, and, and given the, the, the changes that are going on in this world, it's, it's really, it gives meaning to me personally that we actually contribute to this energy transition uh, where we have to go uh, and do electrification. And we provide software that makes sure that we have a resilient power supply. And uh, um, yeah, it's enjoyable. You know, we're extremely familiar with the energy transition on this podcast. You know, we talk about it a lot. It's, as you said, it's super important because we're literally using energy every day. Like it's in our, it's just so ingrained in our system. And so I'm always thankful for the people who are doing that behind the scenes work that's really keeping us going and really monitoring our systems make, to make sure that we have energy um, throughout our days. So you talked a little bit about how eSmart Systems is pretty AI heavy, artificial intelligence. So I'm not an AI expert. When people say, hey, let's talk about AI, and I'm also a marketer by trade. So anytime we kind of use marketing images, it's always like a robot hand um, mm -hmm. or something to really depict AI and what it is. So to me, all I can think about is like little robots running around. And I know at like utility companies, probably there's not little robots running around the utility companies uh, monitoring the grid and all of our software. So Explain to me a little more about AI and machine learning and what that looks like in this space. Oh, uh, definitely. And, and it's actually, it's not that easy to answer, to be honest, uh, because it can mean so many things to different people, right? Yeah, because, well, AI, so per definition, is actually computers more or less simulating human intelligence. Uh, that that's what it is, uh, but uh, it's no wonder you think of robots because we get all that, those impressions from everywhere else. But to us, really, it's about software and how we can yeah uh, simulate and mimic the human intelligence and machine learning. Basically, is algorithms that are programmed in a way that they actually can learn and improve. Um, so you can feed the algorithm with a lot of correct answers. And then based on that, the algorithm can find similar answers based on a new data set uh, that most likely also are correct. And then you can retrain that algorithm, giving new, more, more correct data, and then the algorithm improves. And that's exactly what we do when we try to find anomalies in the power grid based on images, uh, trying to help those subject matter experts that sit all day looking at images from the inspection um, and we assist them with AI to make their work go quicker because we can tell them, well, look at this piece first, look here, don't look at this picture. Based on really AI that can say that most likely this is something you should look at. Uh, and that's how we assist and that's 
how it works within this space, but there's a lot more to this space than uh, using AI that you would think, even though robots doesn't run around. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine. (laughs) (laughs) But actually, um, some consider software also as robots, um, but they're not sort of physical robots. AI is used for prediction in terms of uh, utilities try to predict consumption, uh, trying to uh, to predict um, generation. AI is used in energy trading, uh, and also, of course, in virtual inspections, which is the field that we are in. So um, AI is so much, and it's used maybe more than you think, but it's still very early, and and also within the utility space, which maybe are not sort of uh, famous for their quick turnarounds right. is still a process to get more and more AI into the business. Right. So, and kind of as you talk about it, you know, one thing you mentioned is computers. The software essentially is like a computer. And really, when I think about robots, essentially, that's just a walking computer, right? So mm-hmm. there, there is some connection there, I think. And so that's cool. It kind of now makes a little more sense in that aspect. And, you know, one thing you also mentioned was machine learning and machine learning is literally exactly what that is. It's quite an on the nose term for the machine or software, computer, et cetera, to consistently learn. So I do imagine that probably does take some time. Yeah, it does uh, to train the, the machine, yeah. you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it does. Uh, but also, yeah, especially when we're talking about imagery that we use, uh, the training part of, of our algorithms is, is sort of the toughest part. It's the most compute uh, heavy part of what we do and also quite expensive, to be honest. Uh, mm-hmm. So we do a lot of work trying to optimize our cost when it comes nice. to training because we're talking about petabytes of data, right? Yeah. Enormous amounts of data. It's, it, it complicates things, but also makes it easier. And I think we are very lucky to have those amounts of data uh, that, that really gives us the opportunity to train uh, our algorithms and all that, and also then have sort of be the leader in, in this industry uh, because we have uh, that amount of data. But yeah, it takes time for sure. It does. Mm-hmm. That's, that's true. Nice. So... Let's talk a little about maybe some myths or misconceptions people have about AI. Um, I know I have plenty of them. I like to think I'm an expert at everything, even though I'm not. Um, so, so let's talk a little about some myths that people have and why people maybe aren't embracing AI as much as they should. Yeah, uh, um, I think what we see from Hollywood and and the doomsday things that they produce with robots and terminators doing bad things and and machines are taking over the world. That sort of sets the scene, right? Everybody's thinking about that. Uh, And uh, and also we must not sort of forget that AI is a powerful, it's a powerful thing, right? It's super powerful. And, and, really brilliant people like like Elon Musk and Bill Gates and Stephen Hawking, they all expressed concern about AI, which of course is a, that is picked up by the newspapers, that is what they publish, further increase and building on those uh, thing, building on that thinking that we have about AI. 
but it is true still. It is a powerful uh, tool, uh, and it will be. And also so powerful that uh, the UN has developed a framework for ethics within artificial intelligence to make sure that at one point in the future, when AI will develop super intelligence, which means they will be smarter than humans, it's important that they understand so that we who created it also bring with us the ethics that is needed. And, and there are some very cool things going on again with Elon Musk and his Neuralink uh, with connecting really uh, a computer directly into a brain, yeah, uh, yeah, to yeah. the brain. That's uh, crazy things. But I think that's sort of also kind of positive because the whole point here is to support the humans, right? Um, and I think also, I think it's a misperception that AI will replace humans, at least uh, for uh, for a very long time, like very long into the future. Yeah, I'd agree. I agree there. I agree. I, I think a lot of people have that misconception, but humans are always going to be around. Yeah. And, and that's also actually, to be honest, when we uh, when we started developing our product, we had this idea that, well, maybe it's not that needed to have humans in the loop. Very quickly, we understood that we definitely need humans in the loop to, to make sure that this works correctly. Right. Even though AI might sort of remove some very simple jobs, it also creates a lot of jobs. Just look at e-smart systems, right? We wouldn't have been here if it wasn't for for AI. Um, right, and right. I also think that those tasks that replaces humans makes those humans that are redundant, it, it enables them to do more value, valuable things. Uh, so, so I think it all sort of builds on and improves. Uh, but I think it also will be a very long time until a computer can replace warm hands and 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 the smile. And and I think uh, I come to think of Jack Ma. Uh, he once said that at, actually uh, he said that computers are not capable of love, and that's why he is not afraid of the future, uh, because he in his in his thinking uh, love is an irrational thing, and computers can't be irrational. <laughs> so, they, so can't, that's the they can't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, but it, back to your question, so uh, why aren't people more embracing it? Well, I think instead of looking at like some uh, looking at it at something really sort of dangerous, we must sort of look at it as a tool because really that's what it is. It's it's a it's a tool. It's an advanced tool, but it can help us with complex problems. And and it's still so that AI is, is very hard to do. It require, requires a lot of skills. Uh, and it requires a lot of quality data, which we just talked about. And But also the largest companies like Google and Microsoft are continuously re- releasing new services that, that continue to make AI more available. They're sort of democratizing AI, especially for us who are creating software. They make it easier every month almost to include AI into our applications. I think over time, it will uh, become sort of more embraced and more natural. Uh, but I think we must start looking at it as a tool and not something magical, mystical, mythical. 
right? Right, right, right. Because I because it kind of goes back to what you said. People probably do have this assumption that maybe it's going to replace that the human work or the human connection. And no, it's really here to help you as a human um, do these things. And so I really, I really like that connection there of you're ready, of your time is now freed up to a little extra things that will really help innovation move forward. And especially I imagine in your space really help the energy transition go even faster that since, I mean, as you know, it's going not the fastest. So <laughs> no, it needs to go faster <laughs> for, for sure. And, and what we try to do is really, yeah, we try to help the people that perform the work that we are addressing to help them do their work faster and with higher accuracy. Uh, usually when I talk about this, I, I say that we give the subject matter experts superpowers because they can do it much faster with higher accuracy uh, and, and really free up their time or actually make it possible for them to get through the workload that they already have because that's really a challenge uh, for the yeah. problem that we are addressing. I love that AI as a superpower for like utilities. It's yeah, power up. I love it. So <laughs> often AI projects, you know, they get stuck in innovation. In that innovation stage, we kind of, we see that, you know, they either aren't deployed or they get stuck on like that initial beginning phase of deployment and never really like super take off. So mm -hmm. how can we get these projects out of R&D and implemented into the real world for the better? I, yeah, uh, and we have a lot of experience with the same thing. We've done a lot of R&D uh, also with utilities that have sort of stranded in, in the R&D phase. Um, and it's difficult to, to take something that you uh, start as an R&D thing and convince the operations that this is something we should uh, use instead. And I, I, I think it's about expectations um, because AI is not magic. It, it's not something that will, oh, solve everything. It, it, it really is just an algorithm. And I think many are disappointed when they realize that it's not magic. And I think many are also kind of disappointed that when they realize what it takes to uh, get to a very good operational result that you can apply in operations. Uh, so, uh, and it requires skills, of course, but it requires a lot of quality data. And I think quite a few utilities think that they have quality data, but during the R&D project or process, they realize that, oh, our data is really not that good. And that has actually happened to quite a few of our customers as well. They, they come in and say, yeah, let's do this. We have a lot of quality data. And then, and then the, when in a few months down the road, we just realize that, oh, the data is not bad as good as we thought. Uh, so that's a blocker, definitely. And I think another blocker in terms of R&D is it's very fun to work with technology, right? You want yeah. to see that AI, you want to see that AI model work. Uh, and that sort of becomes the goal instead of the value that you need to create. So uh, many of the R&D projects tend to sort of drift off to technology validation more than creating value for the customer. Um, and that's another thing that I think is important to address in the beginning of the R&D project, sort of lower the expectations 
and, and make sure that focusing on the value that we provide to the customer uh, and, and again, data. Uh, I, I do not underestimate the need for large amount of data with high quality. Yeah, and it goes back to that thing that AI is magic. It's not, it requires a lot of data and, and often it's underestimated how much data it really takes. You know, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say, I wish I had less data. So, uh, so, you know, the thought of a lot of data sounds really, sounds really nice, you know, especially when we're trying to implement better systems for utility customers and, you know, people who are receiving energy at the end of the day. But I understand completely when you say, you know, we're as a developer it kind of turns into, oh, I've made the AI work. Yay. Success. I see that a lot with like graphic design um, as a marketer where I'm designing something and then I eventually get to the point of, no, I just want it to look very nice for myself rather than the end goal. So <laughs> it's, it's pretty, it's pretty, um, I think it's a similar, a similar concept. I think it's very similar. And also another thing there uh, that we should also mention is it's very different uh, to create one model, one single model that is running in an R&D project. When uh, in production, you might need 20 or 100 models that runs continuously in production, yeah. delivering all the time. So scaling an AI project, that's not super easy. Uh, that's, it's a lot of things that you need to think of in terms of having this continuous work uh, going on instead of just maintaining one single model in an R&D project. And that's, I think also is a blocker uh, when it comes to moving R&D out of the R&D box and over to the operations box. So tell me a little bit then, can you maybe share with us how AI is actively being used today? Um, maybe some major players in the game who are using it and what problems really could AI solve? I, I think um, and we, we touched upon it earlier. AI is much more in use than we actually think. Uh, but it doesn't sort of, it's not those huge AI, whoa, it's AI. It's, it's all the small things that we don't even think about. It's like the Netflix recommendations, the Spotify recommendations, Visa uh, trying to identify fraudulent credit cards uh, transactions. Uh, oh, and using AI to find those anomalies and say, well, this looks out of the pattern for this person. And maybe this is something wrong. Traffic and redirections from Google Maps. Uh, you, of course, we have uh, all the bots, Alexa, Siri. Um, when I speak to my Tesla telling it to uh, drive to uh, drive home from work, it's AI receiving the message, trying to understand what I say. Uh, but it's also the more important stuff like medicine. Uh, AI is getting more and more used within medicine to maybe identify the correct medication for just you so that you get actually specialized medi uh, oh. medication just for you, totally adapted to your needs um, in terms of um, type of medication, but also the amounts of medication that you need. So it's sort of tailoring things for us, which is becoming more and more in use as well. So it's all those fun stuff, but it's also getting very serious. Um, so, so it's it's more uh, more in use than we maybe think. And of course, we use it in our product again to to help the subject matter expert, yeah, remove irrelevant images and and focus on what's important. Um, so, 
I think it's more in use than we think, but it's all the, the some of the small things. Yeah. It seems almost like AI is really surrounding us. We don't, um, it's just a little more hidden. We don't know it. But no, those are some major things that, and half of those really live on your phone. Uh, yeah, which is do. which is also a, um, an interesting thing that I think many people probably don't realize um, throughout that process. So, so you've been in you've been in the energy space for over twenty years. Um, mm-hmm. What are some of the biggest lessons learned when you started working in the utility space versus now and How's that playing out? Yeah, that, um, I know question. the loaded question. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> energy uh, moves. Energy moves fast, but oddly slow in weird areas. So I'm sure things have, you know, probably changed. Have probably changed from, you know, when you first started. And so, tell us a little bit. Yeah, it has uh, definitely, but it also hasn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but it's a uh, funny thing. Yeah, it is. But we have to sort of keep in mind that uh, what we're talking about here, the utilities and what they do is sort of one of the pillars of modern society. We're talking about electricity here. Uh, So, of course, making changes to that infrastructure, making changes to that ecosystem, that is sort of, it works. You don't want to change it immediately, at least. And then you can start working or looking at how we can make it work more efficiently. But it still works. The primary sort of task of a utility is still to deliver electricity to every home. And you cannot sort of jeopardize that. So, uh, and the utilities know it. And, and they, so they will not sort of start using new technology just because it's new technology. They need to be 100% sure that it will still work. Um, and I think, um, and that, that's the part that has been the same uh, all the time since I've been working uh, within this space. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's slow, right? It takes time. But if, if, uh, if I sort of start thinking, oh, it, it, I, th- I think it's okay that it's slow because we cannot sort of make any risk. We cannot take risks on this. But what I have seen the, the, the last years is a huge change when it comes to sort of welcoming new technology and how they they uh, take the first change that I saw and, and, and experienced was the shift to cloud. When, when we started eSmart, it was very difficult because we've been cloud-based since day one. Uh, it was very difficult to reach out to the utilities and say, hey, we have this cloud-based solution. And they were like, yeah, can we run it on-prem? <laughs> and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and it was uh, a challenge for sure, but then there was this actually very quick shift uh, when the utility started realizing that, okay, this is actually the future. It gives us also much more flexibility. Uh, and now the utilities also like all other uh, verticals are embracing cloud. And I think we see much of the same thing also when it comes to AI, uh, which was also kind of a bit scary. Uh, yeah, all the misconceptions that we talked about yeah. Uh, but now also starting to realize this can be useful. Uh, this can be very useful. The biggest changes that I've seen is actually for, from the last five, six years, uh, when, when they've really started to embrace this and look at new technology and, and see that it can actually provide help for, for them. But yeah, I, 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 
it's still slow though <laughs> to to people like us the biggest our biggest frustration right because it takes mm-hmm. time but it's to be honest it, it's okay that it takes time because uh, we're talking about something really really important here right and then we want to do it right at the end of yeah. the day exactly and, some, and sometimes that just takes a little patience we <laughs> Ro- what's that say? rome wasn't built in a day true <laughs> that's very true <laughs> although we're not building rome but <laughs> true very true <laughs> uh, we can make uh, energy can do it i think <laughs> yeah so every every guest we have on the on the podcast we ask them the same question uh, towards the end and it's always fun because we never really know what type of answer we're going to get right so we've learned a lot about you, uh, about e-smart systems, about artificial intelligence and machine learning, and really the patience that's needed with that. So you've really informed us on quite a bit. So let's get a little philosophical, if you will, and tell us, what does the word energy mean to you? Yeah, that is truly philosophical. <laughs> <laughs> It is, um, um, to me, energy is, is sort of, it's the foundation for life. It's, it's what really, we need energy to, just to move, we need energy. We need energy to cook, we need energy to get light. And, and so I think for me, energy is really, it's the foundation for, for life as we know it. Um, uh, and to be honest, uh, to now have a job where I can contribute and, and work with energy every day. It's so meaningful for me personally uh, that I can work with something that I consider so important. I'm very happy with uh, what I do because it's, it's so important. And what does energy mean to me? Yeah, it means actually it's, it's the foundation for everything that we know. Honestly. Like it is, it really is. So, you know, I mean, it's a great answer. Energy is, is the foundation for life. And cause like we've talked about, we use it every day and it's something that's not really going to go away. We're going to continuously need it and innovations constantly needed and new technologies is part of that innovative process. And, you know, after today, even though I, thought I was an AI expert because um, I thought robots ran around utilities. Um, I now have a much deeper understanding of how it's going to be truly beneficial for the energy transition, especially as we move to greener systems and our infrastructure is, are, is aging. And, you know, we do need to pay attention to making it better for not just for you and I, but for the people who come after us and the people who will be here when artificial intelligence is actually a robot living in your house. <laughs> yeah, but uh, absolutely. And I think that that's, um, it's something to really think of uh, that we, we have a responsibility uh, to make that happen really. Uh, and, and I think we are, we are contributing to that uh, by working within the space that we are. Yeah, definitely. Um, Eric, well, you know, Eric, that wraps us, that wraps up our time for today. I really enjoyed our discussion. Before you head out, though, give us a little 
last bit of wisdom for our audience. If some, if they listen to this whole podcast and we want to leave them with one last impression, what's that one thing you want us all to really leave here with today? Uh, okay. Um, I think uh, I want to uh, highlight that we have to remember that AI is just a tool. It's an advanced tool, but it's still just a tool. So we have to work on sort of demystifying AI. Um, it is a tool. Uh, so don't be afraid. Just think of it as a tool. Yeah, R literally. Uh, I love it. Thank you so much, Eric. It was a great chatting with you today. Until next time, we're going to have you on again in like a year or two, and we're going to see how far AI has come. And we're going to just really revisit all the things. It's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> Thank you so much for bringing me on. It was a pleasure. Of course. Until next time. Thank you, everyone. Bye. I'd like to thank our guests for joining us today and you for listening along. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit the subscribe button and give us a rating. We'd love to hear from you. If you're interested in joining us on the grid, email us at info at zprime.com. For updates, please be sure to follow us on LinkedIn at zprime and on Twitter at zprime underscore research. This episode was produced by Ricky Murray and edited by Aria Levanti. Cover art is designed by Mia Dance.